You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. A very good evening to you and welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and coming up on the programme tonight, Alison Abernethy will be buttering us up as part of the June Love Dairy theme to celebrate the 2016 year of food and drink in Northern Ireland. Caroline Gray will be on the phone with details about what we can expect in the summer issue of Easy Food magazine. I travel to Galway to meet Michelin star chef JP McMahon and find out about the 2016 Food on the Edge Symposium and I'll be putting a call into Jamie Oliver, 15 graduate, John Relihan, who hails from Dubois in County Kerry, and will be talking about his return to Ireland to head up Ireland's latest barbecue restaurant, Holy Smoke in Cork. If you have food and drink news to share, please drop me an email with all the details to s.noonan at live.ie or you can tweet me at Queen of Org as in Queen of Organisation. So tonight's first guest has a great story to tell about one of the simplest, oldest and best ingredients out there. To celebrate the Northern Ireland year of food and drink, June theme, which is Love Dairy, Alison Abernethy from Abernethy Butter is on the phone now. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Alison, you're very welcome to the programme this evening. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be with you. And you make one of the oldest, most traditional products that is out there, and it's butter, but this is a very special butter. It's Abernethy butter. Yes, indeed, we do. It's my husband actually makes all the butter. He he is known as the butter maker, um, so he is very skilled in, in the process. It all started a number of years ago now because he was going to different shows and was demonstrating how to make, make butter, but at the time you weren't actually selling it. So just tell us how, how it all began. Um, it actually started off with my father. Um, he made butter on our farm at home and he would have went round the shows to show people how it was made. Um, and then he took sick and he wasn't fit to do the shows, so myself and my husband um, were filling in for him and we were doing a show one day and this gentleman came over and said you know do you realize what a fabulous product you have there how natural and wholesome it is and the way you make it is so special um you know you should be selling it and marketing it marketing it and we haven't really thought about it before and that's got the old brains ticking and um that was six years ago and and now abernethy butter is a very well-known brand Presumably you were eating it at home yourselves on a day-to-day basis. Um, yes, we are indeed. Um, you can't beat a bit of real butter and uh, it's really good for you as well now. So, yep, definitely. Fat is back, isn't that what they say? Good fats are good for you, especially um, butter here in Ireland because the cows are fed out in grass and that uh, gives you really special milk uh, because it's full of, of vitamin A and carotene and um, it's it's good for your heart, it's good for diabetes, cholesterol, cancer. Um, so the doctors and I recommend that everybody eats grass-fed butter, um, but in moderation is the key word, not, not a pound every day, you know. <laughs> Much as we would like to eat the pound every day. Exactly, but we have to have to be a little bit restrained there. So whenever you and your husband decided you were going to turn it into a commercial operation, what were the two of you doing at the time? Were you farming or were you working outside of the farm? Um, My husband was farming and um, he was doing relief milking for other farmers as well. And um, I was a practice nurse down in my local G 
GP surgery. Um, and we both thought that that's what we would be doing for the rest of our lives. And now here we are making butter. <laughs> so you started off making butter, but how did you actually get the word out there that you were selling it? And how did you generate a customer base? Um, it was quite difficult at the start. We were just doing um, local shops and um, going out really basically with the product and, and trying to get shops around Northern Ireland um, to use it and other restaurants. And then one day we got a phone call from um, Heston Limitall and um, he had um, found us on Twitter and um, he wanted butter for the fat stock and he loved it. And um, that was the turning point for the business because obviously if it's good enough for Heston, it's good enough for everybody else. It's been amazing since. He's a Michelin star chef and a TV chef that would be very well known. He is indeed. He's the, he was um, the only um, restaurant in um, the UK to have three Michelin stars. And at one stage his restaurant was like in the top five in the world. So um, not a bit of wonder we were very surprised that he wanted Abernethy butter on his table. And isn't it amazing the power of social media? You're saying that he found you on Twitter. Exactly and um, social media is the only way that we really advertise now. Um, Twitter um, most of the chefs and restaurants all use Twitter and they don't have time for emails and phone calls and uh, so we use Twitter a lot and the same with Facebook and Instagram and then it's the power of just um, chefs maybe working in a restaurant they've used Abernethy butter they go to another restaurant um, and they take um, off with them basically Um, so we get a lot of business from word of mouth and the business has gone from strength to strength the customer base has expanded dramatically and you have loads of Michelin star chefs and very high end restaurants there in your customer base we do indeed. Um, a lot of, of Michelin stars, um, very high-end um, delis and butchers all over the UK and Ireland. And um, we also supply um, like the local greengrocer and local butcher. Um, so we have lots of lovely little shops as well that we love to support. Um, we've had the, the, say, I suppose, the privilege of turning down Tesco's and Sainsbury's and we have those because we don't want to supply those guys it's not special um, when we do that anymore and we'd rather support all our little shops and our local shops um, than the big boys was that, was that a very difficult decision to make to turn down the multiples or was it something that you had discussed beforehand and decided that if you were ever approached by them you would decline the offer it was actually quite an easy um, decision to make as I said, we didn't want to um, to, to supply them. A, a, we couldn't produce the amount of stuff that they want. And B, they squeeze the life out of the farmer. And uh, C, we would rather just keep it special and local and support 40 little shops and one big Tesco supermarket. The product line then has expanded and you do other products in addition to butter, but butter is very much, I suppose, the main raw ingredient of them. Tell us about some of the other products that you do. Well, butter is our main product and so we do um, a few flavours as well. So we have our smoked butter and it is cold smoked um, over beech and applewood and that is delicious to cook with, delicious on steak, potatoes, um, cabbage, onions, mushrooms and seafood 
And then we also do uh, a dulse, which is a seaweed and a sea salt butter. And again, that's delicious with cheese, uh, crackers. It's really good with seafood. And it's also fabulous with lamb as well. And then as well as that, we make a fudge with lots of Abernethy butter in it. And that's a lovely, soft, smooth fudge um, that goes very well um, after dinner. I just love the sound of the fudge, the buttery fudge. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lovely, that's what everybody says when they taste it. They say, oh my goodness, how smooth and, and buttery it is. Um, so I had changed the recipe a bit and I put lots more butter into the recipe than originally and took out some of the sugar, but it works out very well. The products are very unique to you. They're very distinctive. And I read that a number of them have won various different awards. Indeed, we're very lucky because all our products have all won uh, Great Taste Awards um, from two stars for the original and the smoked butter and one star for the the fudge and the dulse butter. Um, And we've also a silver Blana Earn Award as well for for the smoked butter. And uh, lots of other awards as well. So we're very um, privileged to have won those. How important are those awards to you on a personal and on a business basis? Um, Well, it's lovely to receive an award because it makes you feel that you're doing something uh, right and that your product is special. And again, on the business side, it lets the customers know that, again, there's something hopefully special about your product and uh, they can, lots of people do recognize the great taste uh, sticker when it is on uh, on your product when you're out at shows or in a shop or whatever yeah because it's just instantly recognizable then to the consumer that it is a premium product exactly yeah it just shows that there is that something special that premium thing about about the product so do yeah. you have plans to expand the product range or are you very much focusing on what you have at the moment we're just focusing on what we have. Um, we actually are are really flat out at the moment with with the the four products. And at the moment, we feel um, we couldn't add another product. We do have some um, ideas floating around, but um, we we couldn't add another product at the moment because we just don't have enough hours in the day to to make what we have. Um, never mind something else so we'll see we'll maybe just hold hold fire on that for another few months to see how things go if listeners want to get hold of it where is the best place for them to go to get a list of stockists because you're widely available throughout Ireland we are indeed um, so the best place is just to go to our website uh, com, and um, there is a list of all the outlets uh, in Ireland, England and Northern Ireland on that um, and the, it's updated regularly so if, if they should find hopefully somebody near themselves or we have an online shop as well so if that's helpful they can maybe use that And you still go out and do the butter demonstrations and this week you're in Randallstown in County Antrim We are indeed, we're going to um Alexander's Farm, JLX Herd. Um, we're going to do some butter making demonstrations. So it's open farm weekend, and there'll be lots of things to do for children and adults alike. And it sounds like it's going to be a really good fun day. And the weather is set to hold all being well. So the best of luck with that. Thank
thanks a million for coming on this evening to share your story Abernethy Butter a wonderful product congratulations on your success to date and best of wishes for the future thank you so much and thank you for having us cheers chin chin salut schleinte Great to have that chat with Alison there about butter and remember fat is back. Still to come on the programme tonight, I'll be travelling to Galway to meet Michelin star chef JP McMahon and to find out about the 2016 Food on the Edge Symposium and I'll be putting a call into Jamie Oliver 15 graduate John Relihan who hails from Dewa in County Kerry and we'll be talking about his return to Ireland to head up Ireland's latest barbecue restaurant Holy Smoke in Cork. But it's time now to turn our attention to the latest issue of Easy Food magazine is a summer special to cover all our cookery needs for June and July and editor Caroline Gray is on the line now to give us a heads up on what's inside the summer issue. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Caroline you're very welcome to the show this evening. Uh, thanks Sharon, thanks for having me. <laughs> your summer special is out, it doesn't seem that long since we were talking about your Christmas annual but here we are, it is June and you've a fabulous issue out for June and July and of course there's barbecues in it, that goes without saying. Definitely, yeah, we have all things summer so this is our big summer special issue and like you said it seems like we were just at Christmas you know no length ago but we're here it's summer we have everything from barbecue to healthy cooking to loads of really great desserts so you know it's our big special double issue so it really has everything you need you know to be an outdoor barbecuing grilling master this summer. And it's not all about meat because I did notice there that you have some meat free barbecuing suggestions. Exactly oh yeah that's the thing you know we have a bit of everything and I mean we ourselves we love really mixing it up when it comes to barbecuing. So having some nice uh, meat-free options and some kind of like veggie burgers or just some really cool hearty salads. You know, there's a little bit of everything for everyone in there because like that, you know, having a barbecue, it's not all as easy as it can be. It's not always just kind of slapping a hamburger onto the barbecue and calling it a day. You know, you can really do so much with it. And that's really what we're exploring in this issue. There is one column there in the cooking for fun section. It's called In the Man Cave. What's that about? (laughs) So in the man cave. So we always like to include something that's just a really, you know, manly sort of dish. But I have to say it's really funny because it's going to be, um, this is our cover recipe anyway. It's a nice steak sandwich that is actually perfect for Father's Day, which is, um, you know, coming up shortly here in June. So um, this is just a really nicely barbecued um, steak, and then it has this really gorgeous horseradish mayo. So, um, you know, it's something that even though it says man cave, it's actually my favorite recipe of the whole issue anyway. So it's clearly, it's suitable for all tastes. I love the sound of the horseradish mayo. Yeah. Oh, it's gorgeous. So so it's a little bit of horseradish mayo, um, some tomato relish, and it's nice because you can kind of switch it up. Some people put a bit of the jalapeno relish on when we were testing it. Some just just like the general, you know, kind of sweet and spicy one. Um, There's just a little bit of everything for everyone in this issue. And this sandwich itself, it kind of just epitomized everything that we loved about summer cooking. So just perfect. Regular listeners of the programme will be aware that you were a judge recently at the Apprentice Chef programme yeah. finals down in, in Tralee recently. So you yeah. actually have a feature in this issue about the, the three winners. We do. I mean, we, we I was so impressed when I was down there, Sharon, just because, you know, like I've been to a few cooking competitions and in my head I almost kind of had an idea of what I was going to see and what I was going to, you know, kind of encounter on the day, but I was absolutely blown away. I mean, these were three really, you know, not really, they're, they're, 
young cooks and just the level of expertise they showed in the kitchen and the dishes they prepared, I was absolutely blown away. I mean, if I, the, the dishes they did, I mean, if I were to see those on a restaurant menu, I would be thrilled to get any one of them. So we are featuring um, not only a little bit about the winners, but um, also their recipes in this issue. So, um, you know, if you pick it up, you can see a nice four-page spread of, uh, you know, the three recipes that were included and a little bit about the Apprentice Chef program itself. Just to remind the listeners who the three final winners were on their dishes, yeah, just to whet their appetite. Sure. So, yeah, so George Hennessy, who's uh, 16 years of age, he did this roast loin of local lamb. And now that sounds pretty, you know, simple enough. Sure, it's just, you know, roast lamb. But, you know, the thing, he had this gorgeous, you know, crust on the lamb and he all these nice accompaniments between like sauces and the potatoes he did. Absolutely stunning. Um, in second place, there was Rachel Wharton and she had a trio of desserts. Um, I have to say they were the nice part of the trio was the were these chocolate fondants and they were the nicest I'd ever tasted. Um, and then in third place was Aoife McMahon, and she had a spinach and mushroom stuffed chicken roulade. And what was really stunning about this one, I remember, was she had this crispy chicken skin shard. And so even just the method that went into creating that and the way it made the dish look, and it tasted amazing. So these are recipes that are, do you know what, they're a li- they might be a little bit above the average home cook, but these young cooks spent so many months between the mentoring through the apprentice chef program to get them to where they were. And you can see why they were the you know, the top three of the entire group. Um, they're absolutely stunning. So we're happy to include them in this issue. That's fantastic exposure for the programme because I yeah. know they are hoping to to make it nationwide at some stage. Exactly. And you could see where it would really catch on. I mean, speaking to all the mentors there, they were saying that they had such great interest and, in, you know, all the all the young cooks that kind of went through the programme. I mean, it can really only do great things and it really would lead to just such you know, really exciting things for Ireland's culinary industry if these are kind of the the young talent that's coming up on the scene. Easy Food magazine is great for looking at the the junior side of the the household and you have, again, some barbecue desserts this time for the Easy Juniors to make. Exactly, yeah. So we have these fun little banana boats. I mean, they're just really, um, they're super simple. I mean, it's one of these things that it's pretty much just uh, bananas, some marshmallows, and chocolate chips. But, um, you know, working with adults and with the parent, it's, it's kind of a nice way for young kids to get involved in summer cooking and outdoor cooking. Now, like, adults would be the ones to kind of, you know, handle anything near the barbecue just for safety reasons. But they're super simple to make, definitely a fun outdoor activity. You know, when the kids are off school, it's, it's a nice thing to be able to do with them and to get them outside and get them involved in cooking. There seems to be a lot of really nice desserts in this issue. Now, you've yeah. said that the, the cover dish there is your your favorite um your favorite recipe but what about your favorite dessert what's in there that you really love the sound of well let's see there are a few i was we have this you know we have um a challenge yourself recipe in every issue and in this one it's um uh kind of that retro classic uh baked alaska and you know it's something i haven't had in absolutely in in years but when we tried it it was so good and you know we have nice step-by-step images so that if somebody really wanted to make this for you know a barbecue or a dinner party outdoors it's super impressive, and we're kind of there along with you throughout the way to make it. And now we, we also have this ice cream sundae feature, and I'd say there is this one sundae, and it's called Monkey Business, and it's all my favorite things. There's, like, chocolate, 
Uh, we have an amazing peanut butter dessert sauce that we, uh, it's just a super simple recipe that gets drizzled over. What else is in that sundae? There's like popcorn and pretzels. It's like sweet, salty, crunchy. It's just amazing. So it's kind of elevating ice cream sundaes to the next level. Lots of ice cream there, including in the middle of the baked Alaska. Like it is exactly. a, it's a very challenging one to make, I think. Yeah, it, it's it's tricky enough. Do you know, it's one of these things that it's, when you're actually getting down to it, it's basically a sponge with ice cream on top and you put a meringue around the outside of it. So, but when you see it, and I think because it's a, there's a good few steps involved, but that's why, you know, we want to make it accessible for anybody. So we, we have a photo for every single step you're going to be doing, but it is, this one's really nice because it's like a chocolate sponge and then a chocolate chip ice cream over that. So it's kind of this like double hit of chocolate with this gorgeous, light, fluffy, billowy meringue around it. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> and you'd need something nice to wash that all down. So you have a few cocktails this month. Oh, we do. Yeah. So we have just kind of a nice spread of really refreshing summery cocktails. I mean, you know, there are some that have, uh, you know, a little bit of something for adults in it with, you know, some uh, gin or Prosecco and then some, uh, you know, alcohol free ones as well. Like We have a gorgeous um homemade lemonade, which is one of those things that I don't know if everybody really realizes how simple it is to make homemade lemonade, but it's absolutely stunning, and it's just a great thing to kind of just keep in the refrigerator throughout the summer as well. Uh, So we have loads of just really simple, easy drink recipes. Well, it sounds like a great issue. That's the June and July issue. It's out at the moment. Uh, So we'll miss you next month, Caroline, but you'll be back in August with details for August. Um, No doubt lots of lunch box tips for us but we won't think about that until we get the summer over us (laughs) i know let's enjoy the summer now exactly (laughs) all the ice cream and cocktails (laughs) big time listen thanks so much for joining me tonight enjoy the rest of your evening and we'll catch up in august all right talk to you then you're listening to the best possible taste on west limerick 102 fm Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan. And just before the break, Caroline Gray, editor of Easy Food magazine, provided an insight into the summer issue, which is out now and available from all the usual outlets. And at the start of the show, it was all about butter with Alison Abernethy to mark the June Love Dairy theme for the 2016 Northern Ireland Year of Food and Drink. If you're just tuning in and you want to catch up on the start of the show, it'll be up on the podcast later in the week and you'll find it on soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show. Or you can also subscribe free of charge and download it onto iTunes or you can also use the podcast app. Now we're heading out and about and this week it's to Galway. I was there a couple of weeks ago at a press briefing for Food on the Edge and you might remember Food on the Edge because we covered it last year in October and that was its inaugural year and it returns this year on the 24th and 25th of October and I sat down with Chef JP McMahon for a chat about what we can expect this year. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleite. JP, it's lovely to be in Galway here for the press briefing for Food on the Edge, which is on again this October. And you started off your talk there just explaining what your vision was about having the idea in your head. Yeah, I know we started, I suppose, literally inside my head with um, with just an idea to try and bring chefs over to change things. Um, to change the way we think about food um, at every level, not just the, in the context of fine dining, but also in the way that we eat in our daily lives. And 
that was the initial um, idea behind it and, and it grew out from that but you're not talking about just any old chefs these are some of the no, top the chefs movers, in, in the world the movers and shakers around the world and a lot of them would be on the top 50 list and some of them would have two or three Michelin stars and that but for me I think things always trickle downwards and um, I think that if, if a great chef can, in, can inspire someone to produce better food um, and uh, and take it in their own way I think I think that's as, that's as, uh, that's as good as anything it doesn't always have to be about more Michelin stars or more uh, restaurants in the top 50 I think it's I think it's about um, producing <clears throat> a sustainable food culture for everybody uh, but I, I do think that the chefs that we invite over have uh, know that and they know that they they can influence people and I think for younger chefs and younger people in the in the food industry listening to that um, they, they believe they can change things although it is just chefs that do the speaking it is very much a symposium for chefs and food enthusiasts. Yeah, I would say anyone connected to the food industry in any way. I mean, whether you're feeding people in a, in a, in a hospital or you're feeding people in a school or whether you're a school teacher and you're interested in food, I think you can learn from any of the speakers that we were talking about growing your own food. We were talking about producing food sustainably, how to link more back into our own local network how to fish sustainably so fishermen could come along i think it's anybody who wants to change food for the better um is uh, is our target you did mention michelin star chefs but they're not all michelin star chefs but they are fantastic at whatever they do yeah. whatever type of restaurant I mean, they have because you talked about um your friend in new york that has the sandwich bar. yeah well it was a harry anita's and his sandwich bar his pastrami sandwich which is based on his grandmother's recipe and it was voted number one sandwich in new york and i think i mean i want to have the people who are high profile and have the michelin stars but i also want to have people like will um who who know that uh to I suppose provide the maximum amount of change you need to affect the most amount of people and sometimes it's about taking a, a simple idea such, such as a sandwich and putting all of your ideas of uh, sustainability and food X into that and then and then giving that to people and that's that's as good as a change as you can get I think it's always very important at a conference or symposium that you start off with a really strong speaker a really mm. good speaker and last year Nathan Outlaw mm opened it and was fantastic just tell us a bit about Nathan well, Nathan's fantastic and when Nathan agreed to come over I really thought we were doing something on the right track I mean as, as more and more people agreed I uh, I knew maybe it was something that that was that was going to happen but when Nathan Nathan is a fantastic chef he's got two stars he's got I don't know how many different restaurants he's got little small seafood bars and he knows it's about the community um, and about trying to give people better food and I think um, Nathan is a great I suppose family guy and he, he, he knows that you've got to you've got to really reach everybody and I, I suppose I wanted to put Nathan on because I suppose Nathan has always been one of my heroes when um, in the last 10 or 15 years when I was cooking and uh, I think he's got a great food ethic he's he, he's very much about cooking things um, in a very kind of simple way but not making them simplistic and really um, I suppose challenging people and he does so much work down in Cornwall I think for me there's so many parallels between Cornwall and Galway in terms of tourists in terms of the seafood industry so definitely something that I, I think um, would appeal to a lot of people 
And Nathan was one of the chefs that there's a showcase over the two days of, of the produce from the West and some of the, the best produce from Ireland. And he was one of the chefs that was totally blown away by Kelly's oysters. Oh, absolutely. And then he he subsequently put them on in The Rock, his, his restaurant in, in, in London. So I think that's a great coup for Kelly's. And it's also great for, for Nathan to realize coming to Ireland and finding a, a great oyster supplier. I mean, Nathan gets oysters from all over the world. And, to, and to, for Kelly's to be in London as, as a as representative uh, to, I suppose, representing wild oysters, I think that's an amazing uh, feat. And Albert Adria was the other Spanish chef who, who was blown away by the, the quality of our seafood. And I think we take for granted what we have on the, on the Western seaboard. And we just don't realize that, I mean, chefs all around the world are crying out for, for really good quality seafood and it's all there um, and uh, I suppose we just need to harness that. It's a great opportunity for local producers to showcase their produce over the two days, not only just to the chefs, but you mentioned about the format is very informal and there's a lot of networking and mingling. There's no hierarchy, like there's no VIP yeah. room for the chefs. So people get an opportunity to meet their food heroes. No, absolutely. And I think that's important, both from a producer's point of view, whether they want to showcase a product or from a young chef's point of view, if they want to talk to a chef and uh, possibly go and work with them or stage with them. And I think that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to open out the whole thing and to get rid of that, that hierarchy that you normally have at symposiums sort of speakers are one place and the delegates are in another. And I think for me that that's, it's not only very Irish, but it's, it's very particular to Galway to have that kind of, um, um, sense where even if someone was a celebrity and they were a very well-known chef that they could mingle with everybody you're a huge advocate for doing stages and going to different parts of the world and working in kitchens even yourself you obviously have this approach that there's always so much more Absolutely. to learn and i think a lot of people in the industry maybe don't appreciate that and don't make the most of that or don't invest time doing yeah, that i think it's very important to always try and upskill and no matter where i go uh, I was in Geranium in Copenhagen recently. I'm going back next month to spend two days with Matt in a mass. And no matter where you go, you always find something you didn't know beforehand or you realize, God, that's a very interesting way. Even if, it, even if it's nothing to do with the food, even if it's the way the restaurant is run. And I think by going out and into places that um, that I think are um, um, I suppose for me like celebrations of food uh, I can learn from that and bring it back home I, I think every chef should, should should try and do that whether it, whether it's something they can do for a couple of days or for a week or over a long period of time and we, we have stages that come into an ear and you can see the the way that they develop and when they leave and the attitude that they have towards um, towards food is, is so much better one of the chefs that you have done a stage with is Claire Smith, mm. who's from County Antrim originally Aye. and is chef patron with restaurant Gordon Ramsay. How was that? Oh, Claire is brilliant. And um, I mean, they have 18 chefs in the kitchen and it's they feed, I think, 45 people or something. So it's like it's a, it's a fantastic system. It's like a ballet almost. Uh, watching it and um, to do everything at that level um, in, in such a precise way it takes a lot of um, organisation and a lot of motivation but um, a fair play to them they, they, they work very long hours and they really try and um, produce the, the best food possible so it was a, it was a real eye opener to, to, be, to be there and, and actually Gordon popped in uh, the day I was there and I mean had a, had a wee chat to him and that and like so it's nice um, I think it's a uh, it's 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 good to go to these places too. I think almost as well to um, 
to take the myth out of them and um, and to, to put them on the, the same platform that you operate in and and see well they're doing that and we're doing this and in what ways can we can we make our, our own restaurant better but there's many many parallels in the way that we treat our products and the way they treat their products so I think it's it's all it's it's a it's a, it's a clarification as well for me that we're doing the right thing that when I go to restaurant Gordon Ramsay or, or Geranium and they're three star restaurants and we're doing similar things I think that yeah we're on the right path and we are doing something that's good Claire was one of four female chefs that spoke and you're hoping to have ten this year yeah no we have ten this year and I mean every year I mean I I'm very conscious that, I mean, not only are females underrepresented um, in the chef industry, they're underrepresented, underrepresented in the in terms of um, uh, the world's the world's hundred best in terms of in chefs as well. So there is a lot to change, and like symposiums, like Food on the Edge can do can do a small bit by trying to find out um, very very influential chefs um, to come to come and speak. But unfortunately, there there are not enough women in the industry, um, and um, I mean that's hopefully that's something that'll change. I always think that kitchens uh, work better when they have a, a good balance between male and female chefs. I think um, if you put a lot of men into a into a room, I think you always have far too much testosterone flying around, and you need a, uh, you need you need to you need to bring bring it down. But unfortunately, I mean, we at one stage we have three restaurants. At one stage we had five female chefs, and now we have one in, in the three restaurants. So I don't know if that's the conditions of of, of cooking or if if it's that. Um, um, that women want to want to do something else. There are some great chefs, but um, they take a little bit more uh, finding than, um, than 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 the men. But it's about trying to achieve a certain balance. And also, I mean, we have a symposium in Toronto. We have to sell tickets. So unfortunately, most of the people who are the most famous are male chefs, and that's the difficulty as well. So, but we are trying to change it. Well, Claire Smith is obviously held in very high regard and was the mentor for Mark Moriarty, who is mm. the best young chef in the world and is Irish mm. and he was one of the speakers and you do include Irish speakers as well no absolutely and, um, we have four or five Irish speakers again this year and it's also good to put them on the same platform as, uh, as all of the other international chefs so um, uh, we're always trying to change things and also to listen to I suppose the criticisms that that um, that you get from doing anything, and um, we have an African African American chef from from USA again because it was someone said to me that, uh, particularly Daniel Patterson said all of the thirty um, percent only thirty percent of the chefs in um, in America are, um, are are white, but they they have ninety percent of the media coverage. So you have a big problem there with um, black and African American chefs being underrepresented. So I wanted to really try and and and, and search out. An influential um, black chef that I thought that could that could that could showcase what they're doing, and he's a, not only is he African American, but he's also a vegan. So I really wanted to bring him over. He's from New York, and um, and he's going to talk about his food and what and um, what his roots where lie in the Caribbean and that. So like I'm always trying to uh, trying to change. We didn't get anyone from Japan, but I think that, I think it'd be very important to get a Japanese chef as well, uh, male or female, because they do things so different in Japan. And I think to get an insight and in that to try and learn from them is uh, is a very important thing the venue this year is the town hall Absolutely. it was in the spiegel tent last year and you had what did you call the comedian that popped in oh god i can't um i can phil, see him. phil jupiter yeah i can see yes. him nobody could remember his name so he popped in that was that was a bit of a coup yeah so yeah i don't know so the comedy festival runs this year um uh, would be running in tandem with us so um yeah i don't know i mean i'd love to i, I like 
moving beyond what we do so and that's why I wanted a, a comedian there as well to try and cut through the sometimes the kind of rhetoric or the things get very very pedantic when you put a pile of chefs and everything's very very serious and to try and cut through that so I, I would still like to do that and whether that's through comedy or theatre or music um, I think to try and showcase uh, what we do in Galway as being very diverse and different uh, and also a little bit tongue in cheek I think that's important to I suppose sometimes to laugh at yourself I think it's the it's the best way of learning things well it's food on the age it is on in October this year the website for all the details is food on the age.ie so people should go online and because oh, I say it's going to sell no, out we have an early bird up until I think August uh, we had a re- we had a super early bird up until Christmas and we actually sold a lot of tickets before Brilliant. Christmas Fantastic. and it's just trying to encourage people to to buy a ticket before um, the last few weeks which is what happened last year but I understand last year was the first year it's just so we can plan how many people are coming in that but like it was a sellout last year and we have um, a maximum capacity of 450 and we have people coming from Switzerland and from Asia and Australia and so it's really nice to see um, more of an international um, presence growing in terms of the delegates so because that's really what I want as well I want people to come over to experience Ireland and to experience Galway so people should not delay food on the age.ie JP great to talk to you as always one final question yeah. now did Paul Flynn ever get that tattoo oh he did not no he didn't I saw Paul recently down in the Ballymaloo Fest and he did not get any tattoo he needs a tattoo you're going to have to sort that he out needs now. a tattoo hopefully he, he'll be up this year but not as a speaker but um, I think that I think hopefully that all the Irish chefs will put it on their put it into their calendar as a, as a date not to be missed fantastic great thanks to talk very to much you. Sharon you're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste with me, Sharon Noonan. So far on the show tonight, Caroline Gray, editor of Easy Food magazine, provided an insight into the summer issue, which is out now and available from all the usual outlets. At the start of the show, it was all about butter with Alison Abernethy to mark the June Love Dairy theme for the 2016 Northern Ireland Year of Food and Drink celebrations. And just before the break, Chef JP McMahon was talking to me about the 2016 Food on the Edge Symposium, which is aimed at chefs and food enthusiasts and takes place in Galway on the 24th and 25th of October this year. If you're playing catch up on the show, it will be up in the podcast later in the week and you'll find the podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show or subscribe free of charge and download it on iTunes or you can also do a search there on the podcast app. It is now time to introduce the final guest of the evening. John Relihan is no stranger to Best Possible Taste, having appeared a few years ago when he was organising a mammoth barbecue to feed his entire home village, Dua in County Kerry. At that time, he was based in London as head chef in Jamie Oliver's barbecue restaurant, Barbacoa. He has returned now to Irish soil to the newest barbecue restaurant in Ireland, Holy Smoke in Cork, and he's on the phone now to tell us all about it. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. John, you're a bit of a stranger. It's great to have you back on the programme. People might not realise that I think it was two years ago in the summer of 2014 you organised a fantastic 
festival in Dua, which is your hometown in County Kerry. You had come over from London, where you were based, working in Jamie Oliver's Barbacoa. But you're back now. Holy smoke, you're back in Cork. Tell us about your your new home in Cork. Um, no, it's gone fantastic. Um, you know, uh, 2014 was a great year for the festival. Uh, and I left and after that um, went back to Barbacoa. Um, so now I'm back here in Ireland again um, and it's going absolutely amazing. Um, you know, the, first off, the, the weather is great and the, the restaurant is going really well as well. Um, and it's just, it's really nice to come back and cook in Ireland, you know, uh, and, and live here uh, again um, as I grew up here. Um, you know, the, the, the restaurant, we're based on like a barbecue style restaurant. Um, we set it up and it has three equipment uh, things in the kitchen. So we got a really big uh, Japanese robotic grill, we got a smoker and we got an oven. And that's all the equipment we have in the kitchen. Um, and it's just really exciting, you know, using the best produce that we can get, uh, local produce, uh, and just cooking some really good, honest, uh, simple food uh, within the style of barbecue and smoke. Barbecuing has come on so far in, in, the, in the last couple of years. It's no longer about the few sausages and the burgers done on the tin foil disposable number. No, it's, it's not. Um, there's many different elements to barbecue. Uh, and one of the main things that I try and uh, put into the style of barbecue is different cultures from around the world. Um, you know, we, we are quite an American style uh, restaurant as well but within our cooking techniques we use different elements you know our Japanese robotic grill it's a fantastic piece of equipment that we got built specially for us and designed specially for us from from London uh, from a good friend over there um, and, and we can do many different um, methods of cooking with on that as well even though it's one instrument we can do different uh, items on it um, but it, for, for us you know it's all about uh, using local best produce that we can get uh looking after the meat when it comes in from brining our meat to marination of the meat um and to cooking them in the smoker uh over a type of wood that we choose as well um so for example like cherry wood goes amazing with the beef uh oak wood uh, and maple wood goes amazing with pork products uh and a fruity wood for the chickens um so we we use different woods for all our meats and we we like to experiment with that as well um and especially cooking on the fire as well um we use a natural charcoal um that we get uh, made especially for us our own type of blend of wood that we want in it uh no chemicals no nasty bits uh and that comes from oxford charcoal company in the uk which is great um and a good friend of mine that we, you know learned to make some charcoal with him uh and now i'm using his charcoal over here in cork wow well, if somebody comes into the restaurant and they're a bit bamboozled by the menu insofar as they have no idea what to choose because everything looks absolutely fantastic, what would you recommend? What's your favourite dish on the menu? What's my favourite dish? Uh, I do love the beef short rib. Um, it has a nicer uh, stout glaze reduced on top of it. Um, it's just a big hunk of beef on a bone that will just melt in your mouth. Um, and then for myself... As a side dish, I would definitely have to go with the mash and the bone marrow gravy. Um, so the beef and the mash. Uh, and then for something nice, you know, you can have a roasted squash. So we cook everything directly on the fire here as well. Um, roasted squash with a nice little harissa 
with some smoked hazelnuts on top uh, for some freshness and for some veg as well. Um, but those items are, for, for me, I, I love it. If I come in here to eat, I have to have it. That sounds like a great um, vegetable dish there. Do you cater for vegans or vegetarians? Um, I know people might say, for goodness sake, Sharon, it's a barbecue. Of course no. they don't. It's all meat. Um, but th- that is the, the society no. we live in now. Yeah, it, it is, unfortunately. And you know what? I absolutely and truly love doing vegan dishes and I love doing vegetarian dishes. And for a barbecue restaurant and probably for one of the biggest meat eaters uh, probably in the country <laughs> um, who just love it, I... It, you need to be creative and you need to do some uh, dishes that are vegan and you need to cater for everybody. Um, you know, the menu that we've done, I had to look into it quite deeply uh, to different allergens that are within the menu to cater for everyone. So if, if someone comes in, they should get served um, something beautiful uh, that they can have. Uh, for example, that uh, squash dish I just said there, um, that's absolutely all vegan, um, if I minus the yogurt off it. And also we have... Um, a superfood salad, uh, which is absolutely incredible. Um, it's like full of uh, sweet potato, broccoli, green beans, watercress, uh, smoked lime dressing in there. Um, it's full of avocado and uh, sweet potatoes cooked on the fire as well, uh, and the broccoli is grilled. Um, so it has that element of barbecue within a completely vegan dish um, and vegetarian dish also uh, within the menu. Now, you have been busy at festivals and doing cookery demos, and I suppose we should say that it's because you were at the Big Grill Festival in Dublin last year and you met fellow broadcaster Caroline Hennessy. So that whole connection with the the people that were setting up Holy Smoke came about. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, the Big Grill Festival started off two years ago, uh, 2014. Um, I was there for the first year. i uh, done lots of um, demonstrations there. Uh, and then last year we done a much bigger um, style there, and I met Caroline there, um, who put me in contact uh, here in Cork um, with Eddie Nicholson and uh, a few more people here who run this uh, big operation. Um, but we, in the Big Grill, it's a fantastic festival. Um, you know, it's on the second week of August um, in Dublin, and it, it has everything got to do with barbecue. It's like going to a friend's back. Yar barbecue uh, with about 20,000 people there uh, they got amazing music and everything is cooked over fire as well um, and, and the guy there that I met uh, Andy Noonan, a uh, fantastic fella um, put me up with a big massive pitch where we done six different cooking methods all over fire, so we use big massive grills, smokers, rotisseries block pits um, and uh, we done asados as well, um, so it's kind of like a South American style cooking as well. Um, many different elements of culture and fire, all in one little spot. And if people would like to see you in action this year, you're doing a summer showcase, a pitmaster's summer showcase in the Celtic Ross Hotel in August. Yeah, on the 21st of August, it's a pitmaster class. Uh, it's going to be about five hours long. Um, it's it's not going to be all. Um, demonstration throughout the time there's going to be elements where the people are going to be drinking that nice glass of prosecco as well and relaxing and mingling um but i'm going to have a quite a cool setup put down there uh with lots of different animals uh lots of different vegan food as well uh put on there with veg and how to incorporate veg with barbecue how to use fire uh when cooking veg and 
we're just going to have a lot of fun uh, and hopefully the weather is going to be amazing as well and meet lots of people tell me are you going to do a hangy I would love to do it, but I don't think the hotel will allow me to get big you, massive fall. You better <laughs> tell the listeners what a hangi is. Um, a hangi is uh, a New Zealand style uh, where you bury the animal in the ground. Um, so we've done it in the Dewar Summer Festival. And I brought over two wonderful guys, uh, Bruce Simpson and uh, Frank, uh, to Dewar to do it now. They came through Shannon Airport with spears on their back, um, coming in to do the haka in Dewar, which was absolutely fantastic. Um, so the hungi is where you make a big mass of fire. Um, traditionally, they used to use volcanic rock because it holds the temperature and it gets extremely hot. Um, but here in Ireland, we use some rail track lines. Um, so we put an awful lot of charcoal on top, get them really hot, uh, put them in the ground, uh, put some chicken wire on top of that, um, wrap all your meat in cabbage leaves. Uh, use some cotton cloths on top, uh, soaked in water and some potato sacks and cover it up, cover the whole thing with uh, earth and let it there for about five or six hours and it'll cook a whole pig underground. Um, that day we done it, we put in um, whole pig, some lamb, uh, whole chickens, uh, potatoes, cabbage, swede. It was kind of like your bacon and cabbage from under the ground, um, which was fantastic um, when we were eating it as well. Um, it gives a really nice flavour to it. I think one of the highlights then of that festival from the Hungi was the procession bringing it up the the, the street after Mass that yeah. evening. Yeah, it's, it's quite a ritual. Um, and we were very lucky to have uh, Bruce over there as well. Um, so he'd done his ritual before he buried the animal and when we dug it up as well. Um, it means a lot, you know. Um, you know, I definitely shed a tear when I saw them coming up through the village and we stopped all the cars with it. Um, it's like people coming together, you know, different cultures coming in together in a small little village in Ireland. Um, it was just fantastic. Um, because you are a huge advocate of bringing different cultures together through food. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's one thing that I love. Um, you know, I, I love every different culture of food, of course, uh, and, and going out meeting these people. Um, you know, just uh, last year there, I done a big massive dinner, a Caribbean dinner, actually. Um, for a hundred people from the Caribbean, it was for my good friend Stuart. Uh, his father turned eighty, uh, so I offered uh, I would cook for his father's birthday, um, and his father was eighty. So we done a big massive cook up. Um, we did everything from jerk chicken to jerk lamb, rice and peas, and avocado and papaya salads, and you know, meeting all these people was absolutely incredible. And um, the old ladies coming over showing me how to make the avocado and papaya salad correctly um, so I was also learning um, but also cooking for the 100 people um, just by myself outside in the sun which is fantastic. And more recently in St Patrick's Day past you were back in London with Board Bia and you did a barbecue was it at Trafalgar I, Square? I did, I did. Uh, that was uh, in London, Trafalgar Square um, St Patrick's Day massive event um, I think they had about ninety to 100,000 this year show up uh, to, to uh, Trafalgar Square, which was unreal, um, you know, and the amount of people that came there and the food that we had. Um, I was There was also Irish Beef uh, UK linked in with that as well, um, where we were using all Irish beef. Everything was Irish that I flew over. I even um, brought over a big mass of turf as well, a uh, box of turf from Ireland uh, to London. Um, 
just because I wanted Trafalgar, Squ- Trafalgar Square to smell like uh, a proper good old-fashioned uh, house, you know, with the turf smell in the air, you know, bring people's memories back um, a little bit. Um, it's, a, it's all about the experience that you have when you go eating. Um, it's all about who, the people around you, you know, you're sharing the food, and it's all about the senses, and you can see the food being cooked in front of you, and you can also smell it in the air. So by the time I left Trafalgar Square, it smelled like an old Irish house. Fantastic. Well, can you see you cook in Holy Smoke? Is it an open kitchen down there in Cork? All right, fantastic. It's it's all open, so anyone that comes can come up and see the kitchen. Um, It's all open. They can see our smoker, and we normally open it up as well. Um, And it's normally full up with lots of meat, um, from ribs to short rib to baby back ribs to whole chickens and... Uh, everything slow cooked barbecue baked beans in there with brisket tron in there as well so it's open from Wednesday to Sunday from 5 o'clock until 11 o'clock do people need to make reservations or what way does it work Um, normally people can walk in but it's always good just to make a reservation um, just so that evening it could be busy you don't want to be disappointed Um, but no you know we we have a lot of other uh, things within the building as well within the Maradike Um, we're just next to the Porter House as well um, that has some amazing craft beers. Um, I think their collection has over 90 craft beer at the moment. Um, so you could sit there all evening and go through quite a few craft beers uh, and then come join us for food if the restaurant is too busy. Fantastic. And they'll find you on Twitter there. It's at Holy Smoke Cork and to get all the contact information. That's correct, at Holy Smoke Cork. John, fantastic to talk to you and to catch up. We will keep in touch and um, maybe get in touch again later on in the summer because I think you might have some more news then for us. So until then, the best of luck down in Cork and thanks a million for talking to me this evening. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Sadly, that brings us to the end of tonight's show, which will be on the podcast later in the week. Soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show. Or, as I said before, subscribe to it free of charge on iTunes or use the podcast app. Thank you so much for tuning in this evening. And of course, to all of tonight's guests, Alison Abernethy, Caroline Gray, JP McMahon and John Relihan. Until next week, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!